Melly. Hey. Hey. Hey, what's up? I thought up a new game for the new podcast. Do you want to participate? Um, sure I do. Okay. Would love to play. Okay, it works like this. I am going to tell you the topic of the episode. And you say the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, the first episode is called Episode One, A Very Short Introduction to the Human Voice. Go. Uh, vowels. <laughs> Welcome to the Human Voice Explained. My name is Jupp Hecher. I'm a vocal coach for public speakers, singers, executives, and performance artists. In this podcast, I'm sharing how the voice massively influences our well-being and accomplishments every day, and how we can help it help us. Because no one's going to hear us if our voice can't make them listen. Episode 1. The Basics. A very short introduction to the human voice. This is the oldest recording of a human voice, a 21-second rendering of the song Au Clair de Lune, recorded by French inventor Édouard Léon Scott de Martinville in the year 1860. But of course, well before the invention of the recording of sound, the telephone, radio, television, music records, voice clips, and online meetings, for all of human history, the voice has played an essential role in our lives. The reason is simple. Our voice will always give away how we feel. We have perfume to change the way we smell, we have clothing to enhance our looks, and language to hide the back of our tongue. But our voice tells the naked truth. It can be heartbreaking to hear an authentic I love you. And it can be equally heartbreaking to hear the same words knowing the other person doesn't mean it. In job interviews, the first few words matter most, and these are usually not about the position. It can be hard to recall the content of a speech or podcast, no matter how groundbreaking it is, if the voice is not appealing. And while songwriters hate it, hardly anyone ever listens to song lyrics. But to anyone at a concert, somehow that did not keep them from buying tickets. And it doesn't even take two for the voice to be a significant part of our lives. Every time we sigh, shout, laugh, cry, hum or yawn by ourselves, every time we speak or sing to ourselves, we could have also stayed silent. But somehow, using the voice just seemed better. Now, even though the voice plays a major part in our lives, there's a fair chance that you never consciously thought about it. And that makes sense. Although the voice constantly influences how we feel about ourselves and others, much of this is happening subconsciously. And what's more, the scientific framework and equipment necessary to figure out how the voice is actually made in the body and how it's influencing our bodies and brains have only been around for a few decades. In other words, we only very recently developed the gear we need to answer the question what the voice is and how it works. Our voice has always been of massive importance, but we simply never had the tools to learn why. 
The Human Voice Explained is my attempt to summarize what we know about the voice today in an accessible format. The information is presented in such a way that it will hopefully make sense to those who are completely new to learning about the voice, while, at the same time, not oversimplifying things, so you vocal professionals and amateurs out there can benefit from it too. To suit everybody's backgrounds and interests, I've made separate episodes about the most relevant vocal topics to learn about, like breath, public speaking, singing, vocal freedom, and what an authentic or good voice may sound like. We'll look into different vocal cultures and histories, and we will learn how the body and brain actually make the voice and make sense of it. On top of that, we will hear guest experts explain essential new discoveries and insights. But before we dive into any of these topics, we'll have to make sure we're all on the same page, because while some listeners may be professional vocalists, others may be completely new to the topic. That's why today's episode is all about the basics. No matter if you're interested in improving your own voice or if you're listening out of sheer curiosity, this very short introduction to the human voice is a pretty good place to start. By the end of this episode, you'll have a basic understanding of what the voice is, how it works, and how most of us can change most of it. Short disclaimer, there are a lot of different views on vocal science and teaching the voice. I'm respecting every single one of those, and I'm incorporating them in this introduction, even when I'm not explicitly mentioning them. But of course, Although I'm aiming for this to be universally applicable information, I'm biased in my selecting and presenting it, like anyone would be. If you want to learn more about my background as a vocal professional and coach, check out thevocal.coach or the links in the show notes. Also, I'm balancing between providing enough examples and having this be a short introduction. Rest assured that everything I'm sharing today will be explained at length in future episodes. Okay, here we go. What is the voice, how does it work, and how can we change the way we sound? Most people think about the voice in terms of a specific use case, like speaking, singing, or microphone design, for example. So a general answer to the question what the voice is should cover every way it's being used. Here is my current working definition. The voice is an expression of the current state of the human body in sound. Let me break that down for you. The voice consists of sound, made by the human body. We make this sound by narrowing a particular part of our throat on an outbreath, causing the air we exhale, as well as some parts of our body, to start vibrating. Then, typically, the sound is registered by the ears of everyone within hearing distance. The ears forward the information to the brains of the listeners, and then something essential happens. Mirror neurons start firing, Meaning that, simply put, the listener's body starts imagining what it must be like producing a voice like the one it is currently hearing. This is similar to when we see something happening to another body. For example, when somebody hits their head, we understand that it must hurt because our bodies internally reproduce a version of what the other person is going through, based on similar experiences in our own lives. We don't notice this happening. All we notice is that we understand what's going on. In the case of the voice, something similar happens. We hear a voice and subconsciously recall what our bodies felt like when we sounded like that. 
This way, we understand what the other person must be going through. Of course, this is a simplified version of what's really going on, and we'll get back to the full story in a separate episode, but for now, it does help us understand how the voice practically works. So, when we hear those words, I love you, we start comparing the meaning of the words to the sound of the voice. Now, if that sound reminds our bodies of times when we were sure of something and were able to express that truthfully, we have a good reason to believe that the other person means what they say. But if somehow the sound reminds us of not being sure or of not expressing ourselves truthfully, we know something's wrong. Okay, summarizing the basic functioning of the voice. Step one, somebody makes a vocal sound. Step two, Everyone within hearing distance registers it. And step three, all listeners subconsciously make sense of what the voice is telling them based on past experiences. Now, let's look at some real-life examples to see how this unfolds. First example, job interviews. Through the sound of their voice, in the first few seconds of the conversation, the applicant will give away what kind of person they are and how they're feeling about the conversation. Usually, that's all the employer really needs to know. Second example, public speaking. We like particular actors or politicians because their voices subconsciously remind us of being in an authentic physical state, making us enjoy the performance or trust the commercial or political message the voice is trying to sell to us. And this can even be true if we actually dislike the movie character or disagree with what the politician is saying. Third example, singing. When, in our opinion, a singer is doing a great job, that's because we subconsciously understand how hard it must be to produce that particular sound in that particular moment leaving us amazed by how skillful that performer is. Also, if a singer's voice subconsciously reminds our bodies of a particularly authentic situation from its own past, the performance will sound authentic. Final example, vocal auto-feedback, meaning things we learn by hearing our own voice. The sound of our voice can help us realize that we're sick, tired, or that we're having a great day. This causes a feedback mechanism. If we feel good, we hear that in the sound of our voice, causing us to feel better, creating a positive feedback loop. If we feel terrible, we also hear that in our voice, causing us to feel worse still. And again, most of this is happening without us consciously noticing it. Now, because a perfectly neutral voice does not exist, vocal feedback loops like these happen all the time. Our own vocal sound constantly makes us feel ever so slightly better or worse. And that's great news. Why? Well, this vocal feedback loop phenomenon turns the voice into one of the most effective tools for self-empowerment. If we learn to change the sound of our voice, we can change the direction of our vocal feedback loop. If we learn to produce a voice that sounds, to us, authentic and good, that's exactly how we will end up feeling after a few sentences or melodies. For example, as you may have heard, my current voice sounds a bit tired, and it's been like that for the last four weeks due to a very slow recovery from a COVID infection. 
However, I didn't want to postpone recording any longer, and by focusing on vocal characteristics that I know would make my voice sound better to me, I was able to jumpstart a positive vocal feedback loop, which didn't heal my voice completely, but did get it to an acceptable level for today's purposes. Which brings me to the final part of today's episode, education. Almost everyone can change almost everything about their voice. And that's because we all have the same basic setup in our bodies. Only a very small portion of anyone's voice is unique, everything else being open for change. Opera singers are my favorite example here. When they speak, we typically wouldn't notice anything unusual, but they are able to use that very same voice to sound completely different on stage. Okay, so how do we do this? If we want to understand how we can change the way we sound, it's useful to look at what we can change. In my years as a vocal coach, I've learned that it's most efficient to look at three main areas of vocal training. The first area is sound design. Every voice out there is made up of no more than nine basic characteristics, like whether a voice has a high pitch or a low pitch a large degree of aspiration, or a low degree of aspiration. It can be loud! It can be soft. It can have a dark sound color. Or it can have a bright sound color. Just to name a few. Every voice is a combination of varying degrees of these basic characteristics, not unlike a recipe with varying quantities of ingredients. And if we want to learn a particular type of vocal sound all we really need to do is learn to control the ingredients like loudness, sound color and aspiration, and then simply follow the recipe. But there's more to the voice than sound alone. The second area of vocal training that I like to call vocal execution covers what is happening when we take a vocal sound and use it in time and space. Here too, we can identify characteristics used by every voice out there. Our voice may be quite monotonous, meaning that it doesn't have a lot of pitch variation, or it can have a lot of pitch variation, causing it to sound very melodic. We can have these melodies evolve along the conventions of speech, or I can hold pitches unspeech-like long, resulting in song. We can keep our loudness levels roughly the same or change them to create dynamics. We can change the speed of our voice by speeding up all the way or slowing down all the way. And even though some people find all of this easy to do, for most people, changing vocal habits can be just as hard as changing any kind of habit. That's why the third and final area of vocal training focuses on motivation and narrative. Here, it's all about getting clear what you want to do with your voice and why, how to get there, how to sound and feel authentic, how to maintain the right state of mind and body, and how to not be distracted by things like stage fright and audience. These questions can at times seem vague and far-fetched, but it's essential to get them answered if we don't want to get stuck somewhere in the process. Now. After having looked at what the voice is, how it works, and how we can change it, it's time for a quick summary. The voice expresses the current state of the human body in sound. No human voice is ever neutral, meaning that the state of the body it's coming from will be communicated, largely subconsciously, 
to everyone within hearing distance, including the person making the voice. That explains why our voice is responsible for at least 25% of how we're valued in things like job interviews and public speaking. It also explains why singing can be such a powerful thing to do and witness. Finally, it explains how we constantly influence our mood through our own vocal sound, a feedback process that we can learn to influence. Talking about influencing the voice, we saw that most people can change most of it, and that the enormous world that is vocal education can be understood by looking at three main subtopics. Vocal sound design, vocal execution, and motivation and narrative. And that's it. A very short introduction to the human voice. What it is, how it works, and how it can be changed. I can't wait to dive into more detail in upcoming episodes. But before we go, as a final side note, we should quickly look at non-human voices. We're not the only species on this planet with vocal folds and ears. And although our linguistic capabilities are unique to our species, we're certainly not the only ones to whom the voice is a powerful means of physical expression. And when talking about non-human voices, we should also mention machine voices, like those in car navigation systems and entering machines. These are often still pre-recorded nowadays, but we can expect completely artificial voices to start widely appearing in the next few years. I'll dedicate some future episodes to non-human voices and why they matter to human ones. Wrapping up with some housekeeping. Today's episode was my attempt to squeeze six years of education and a decade of vocal coaching experience into 20 minutes of basic information. I was hoping for it to be valuable and eye-opening, but also accessible and entertaining. If you think I did a good job, or if you have suggestions about how I could improve, please do let me know. There are contact details on thevocal.coach. You can also email me at podcast at thevocal.coach and my Instagram handle is the.vocal.coach. I'll put these in the show notes too for your convenience. Should you want to improve your voice with professional assistance, feel free to reach out. And if you want to learn more about my background and work, visit thevocal.coach. This episode of The Human Voice Explained was produced by me, Joop Hecher, with a special contribution by Melanie Hyams. Thank you very much for listening and have a great couple of weeks.